coming up on Inside the NRL. Concerning scenes for rugby league as Andrew Fafida is taken to intensive care with a serious throat injury. Can Parramatta fix their problems in time to avoid another early finals exit? Tom Trebojevic is injured again, but how long will Manly be without their number one man? And what does Turbo's injury mean for this year's Dally M race as Nathan Cleary returns and Cody Walker continues to shine? 168 games down, 33 to go. Three rounds remaining in this year's regular season. Cannot wait for the finals in a month's time. I'm Zach Bailey. Hello and welcome to Inside the NRL. Joined this week again by Jamie Sauer. How are you? Hey, Zach. Good to have you back, mate. Thank you. And Michael Chamis. How are you, mate? They're good, mate. How are you? Breaking some big stories across the Sydney Morning Herald masthead. Sadly, today, though, it was a distressing one for Cronulla's Andrew Fafita. There were distressing scenes following their loss to the Knights yesterday afternoon when he was rushed to hospital after suffering a serious throat injury. And Michael, today things haven't uh, gotten any better for Andrew. Yeah, it's a, look, a real sad situation, but thankfully Andrew Fafita's in a stable condition. Now, we saw he finished the game yesterday and seemed okay, and, and the Sharks and Knights played us noticed that he was fine after the game. However, during the match, he suffered what is a fractured larynx, and then that sw- had swollen up after the game, and that caused him to struggle to breathe He was taken to hospital and we reported today in the Sydney Morning Herald that he was placed in an induced coma. Uh, It was was a precaution to make sure that he was able to breathe throughout the night given the swelling in the area. So hospital staff had placed him in an induced coma. He was in ICU in Brisbane uh, and they're hopeful of waking him up this afternoon, this evening and continuing treatment which is likely to be surgery on that on that injury so fingers crossed for Andrew Fafita he gets through this and his family uh, our thoughts here on inside the NRL with all the family. Sowie, I mean, we see so many collisions every game. It looks pretty innocuous if that was, in fact, the incident that occurred. It. Yeah, it's really sad to, to see and hear that now with Andrew Fafita. Hopefully he makes a full recovery. But, yeah, those, uh, those incidents yeah, pro- could probably happen a million times, you know, before we see one get in the right area. I think Rory Cross Jason, uh, who's now an, a coach at the Newcastle Knights, suffered that same injury, Chamis, yeah. and, and had to retire from it as well. So I just hope the big fella's OK and... Yeah, you know, uh, we're able to see him, you know, back bouncing around. Uh, just, in, just in life in general, I'm not worried about footy at the moment. There's a, there's a little bit of conjecture around what was the incident that actually caused the injury. From what I gathered, the NRL is looking at the incident involving David Clemmer early in the second half. It's not the incident where he was taken off for a HIA. This uh, one? It is, yeah, it's quite innocuous. It doesn't look like much and it doesn't show any symptoms of any discomfort for the remainder of the set. I watched the set unfold after it and it seems as though Andrew Fafita was okay. It's the swelling after that caused the injury, that caused the concern with the airways. So uh, I don't think there's anything to worry about there for David Clemmer in regards to the match review committee. I think from what we see, do you think there was something there to be concerned about as a game? Um, Well, blokes lift their elbows and knees and stuff every single carry. So like I said, you see that incident a million times and you get it in the right area or wrong area for Andrew and you, know, you see the result of that, so I don't think there'll be anything to worry about, but it's something that is going to have to be looked at now. Yeah, sadly, uh, it isn't a great situation with Andrew Fafita, but our thoughts are with him, his family, the Sharks and all of his friends. All right, it's time to try and pinpoint what is going wrong with Parramatta at the moment. After round 18, they look like top four certainty. Since then, four straight losses, they're down to six. Sowie, same old story, another year on. What is going wrong with the Eels at the moment? Well, yeah, I watched it on the weekend. They came out with no energy, no enthusiasm whatsoever. The very first set, 
Yeah, they were pumped up, but they, after they gave away the penalty and conceded the first try, you could see it was here we go again. And yeah, there's a couple of things. They swapped the side of Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown this year, and neither of them have looked comfortable within that. I know that they've won some games, and they haven't adapted to the style that everyone else or the top teams have gotten. So a ball playing 13 that's able to distribute to the other side and involve that left-hand side or right-hand side, plus Clint Gutherson, who's your leader, your captain, and one of your best players, doesn't touch the ball inside the 20. So they haven't progressed their attack and developed everything on the run, which is why they struggle in attack. And defensively, they are so far on different pages, it's not funny. They've got blokes racing across centres, they've got centres staying out, you've got uh, making your own decision. Everyone's on a different page defensively. And it was so easy for, for the Turbo show on the weekend. They just have no idea. I mean, Sebo's coming up and in there on that clip. They look like a team that is just out of ideas and they're not sure... They don't trust each other. They haven't worked on combinations. Uh, look at some of these tries here. This is you know, men v boys. Can they change these systems once they cross that white line for the 80 minutes between now and the finals no. so that they can cause some headaches? No. They've tried to bring guys in. They brought in an experienced guy, Michael Oldfield, on the weekend. And no disrespect to Michael, but he'd come up and in a couple of times when he didn't need to because they don't know what to do on an edge defensively. They mainly had a two... Two-player overlap. <laughs> We're blaming Paul Michael Old. I'm not blaming Michael no. Old. I'm saying that the system there is... It doesn't matter whether it's Ferguson. doesn't matter whether it's Dunstan. No, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, the it's the system. Oh, They've been system. told to jam. That's what I said. It's so the system. Okay. So poor old Michael Oldfield's come into the system on the weekend. He's jamming up and in the second set, and you've got Brad Parker on the, and uh, also Ruben Garrick standing out there ready to score tries. Is it is it just system, or is that uh, have they lost... Confidence and belief in what they do. It, it may, is the system, was the system right and now they're starting to doubt it? Uh, wh where does the mental side effect start to take place? The best team. The best te Yeah, oh, oh, 9, 10, 11, we lost, I think we lost four out of our last six games and we're in position for titles all three <laughs> years, as Dragons fans would remember. But when you're not defending well, you don't have any confidence in your attack because you know that you know, we're going to leak points, so we have to score. Yeah, if we're leaking 24 points, we have to score 25. So the pressure starts to build. And then you watch them get inside the 20. There's no momentum. There's no rhythm or rhyme what they're doing to their attack. This is a team that should be just ploughing down the middle, some second phase off their big boppers, and then having ball runners. Moses, Dylan Brown, Clint Gutherson. Dylan Brown's only got uh, two tri-assists on the year. Yeah, look, Dylan, we all saw Dylan when he first started. So much potential to become a superstar of this game. Tremendous guy, but he hasn't lived up to that hype, has he? And... It's fallen on Mitchell Moses and the knock on Parramatta since the start of the year, for the last two years, is where things are going well for them. They are great. They are great. But these last six weeks, things haven't play played out the way they wanted to. And they are look, they look dishevelled. They look like they have no idea. They haven't played football together. And that's going to come down at the end of the year. We're going to have some serious conversations about the personnel in that roster and what they do going forward. Dylan Brown is on a big, big, big contract there. He's probably second to Mitchell Moses in terms of salary. Clint Gutherson, what happens with his future there. Parramatta, they're going to have a lot of room in the salary cap and players coming off contract in the next 12 months. So if they are going to make moves, if you're a coach going to take over Parramatta, you're in a good position because you're not going to, be a, you're not going to get a better team to take over than the situation they're in with that roster. It is a good roster for a coach to take over. Whether Brad Arthur's the right man for the job, time will tell. It'll, it'll, it'll all hinge on what happens in the finals. If they embarrass themselves in the finals... I fear for Brad Arthur's future. All right, let's get back to the here and now. And last week, they could talk about their coach, they talk about their captain's future all throughout the press all week. You normally get two responses from a team. It's whether they unite, they get there, they fight. 
or they can crumble. And they crumbled under pressure on the weekend. What does that say about where Parramatta are at as a club? Oh, they, cr- they, they got, the game was gone before they even had the ball. Like it, That's the disappointing thing. They didn't even get an opportunity to put Parramatta under pressure. I think it says, what it says about Parramatta at the moment is they don't, they don't know where they are going. And it was quite telling, the, the post-match press conference from Brad Arthur. I think Brad Arthur looks like he doesn't know where to go with this team at the moment. He said something around giving these guys some time off or looking after them away from footy. That's not the focus this week. Is that the answer? Sal, you're saying there's some system... Some you know some problems with the systems there. Does time away actually help them with that? I, I don't know. Parramatta are in this situation. It's an all too familiar situation. Yet they still don't have the answer. They got the Cowboys this week. Then they got the Storm and the Panthers. Then finals footy. So they've got one week to turn it around, get their confidence back before it's game on. They lose first week of the finals. To even so, I, I asked I asked you that question a couple of weeks ago, and you said no. They'll be there week two. They'll, 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 I, I, no, I still think. I still think Parramatta will win that first week. of the. They'll, they won't make the top four. They're gone from the top four. But I think they'll win yeah, week one. Yeah, but you can't just, like, see that run home. You cannot just go in off the back. If they turn up like they did on Saturday night, Melbourne and Penrith will put 50 on them back to back. Yeah, they will, yeah. And you can't go into that first week against Newcastle or Canberra and expect everything to be okay. No, but look, Newcastle and Canberra haven't set the world on fire all year, so... They don't have to. <laughs> They're going to be playing a team that's going to be on the same level then by the time that first weekend of finals comes around. Yeah. I'm telling you, if the Raiders play finals footy, they could cause some headaches. I know they haven't put it together, but Ricky Stewart, he could get them together. He's the master of the ambush, Ricky. Oof. This is... Honestly, <laughs> is there a team... Um, outside the top four, is there a team better suited to going into camp together than Ricky Stewart's team? Earlier this year you would have questioned it, but right now they look like they've come together. Anyway, there were some big casualties uh, in round 22, so it's time to to look at this week's casualty ward brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. And it's the news that no Manly fans wanted to hear. Tom Trebojevic injured again. Now, last night there was some reports that he could be out for two weeks with a cheekbone injury. Michael, your Sydney Morning Herald colleague this afternoon, Christian Nicolucci, has said that... uh, He's told Des he wants to go and he wants to play this Friday night. What's the latest? I think Christian's got uh, Tommy in his fantasy team. He needs him for this weekend, so he's pushing him to get back. But look, I actually, look, from my understanding, he, he probably requires a week off. Tommy probably would say he doesn't. But is, is there any harm in giving him a week or two off now, given that they are there or thereabouts? Maybe they think top four is where they need to finish. So you assume the Roosters may struggle against South Sydney, which gives Manly the opportunity to get into the top four. So... If that's the case, then maybe Tommy will play, but I really don't think there's a need. Just give him a break. It's been a long, long year. He's played Origin. We know his history with hamstring injuries. Uh, if there's any opportunity to rest him, I think they sh- that Manly should take it. Sauer, do you disagree? Oh, if he's ready to go, he's ready, ready to play. He's in the slot at the moment, so Manly. I think they're going to be the first team in history to have three uh, players score 20 tries. You know, Garrick, uh, Saab and, and Tom Trebojevic. So, uh, and he's probably got a Dally M to win and, and cement. He's in the lead at the moment. I know he's got a couple well, of... you got a scoop for us, have you? Trust me, I've been doing the numbers at home <laughs> in lockdown. But, uh, I, yeah, I, I think if he's right to go play, because the last thing you want to do is go out there and let a game slip. Yeah, if they finish fourth, they would fancy their chances against Melbourne week one. And then <laughs> you might get to the other side of the draw where you come up against a, a team that you, you know that you're better than. Tell me, so, let me reverse that question. Who do Melbourne not want to play in week one? Manly. Yeah. yeah, so they've got so Manly have got the Raiders, then the Bulldogs and the Cowboys. So if Turbo doesn't play and he, he misses a fortnight all those three weeks, can they still finish in the top four without him? Uh, they can because they're on the level now. DCE, for a long time Manly has been DCE's team 
now it's Tom Trebojevic's team, and I think DC actually relishes the fact that he's not the go-to guy who has to get the ball and come up with all these plays. He can go out there and direct around, insert himself when he needs to, and Tom can come up with the big plays and get the headlines and all that kind of stuff, and rightly so. And they are such a well-balanced team. Talk about the value they've had. Morgan Harper, Ruben Garrick, uh, Brad Parker on an edge. Those, all those guys are scoring tries and doing their job defensively. I still need to see them tighten up a little bit against the big teams, and they did that on the weekend. If, if my memory's correct, didn't they play Canberra without Tommy? Yeah, and they got they got rolled at, at, at Brookvale. Yeah, 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 and they were pretty disappointed. That that was the start of the Raiders' resurgence. Yeah, I think yeah they're a different team now. Yeah, and they have a look at the next couple of games. Like they'll beat the Raiders this week. I think the Raiders are better, but they'll beat the Raiders this week, and they've got. Cowboys and Bulldogs, which two wins? All right, we've got to take a look at the rest of the casualty ward list from round 22, and there were some other big names on there. Daniel Saifidi, New South Wales prop and Knights prop. He'll miss some time on the, uh, this year. His season could be over, potentially, uh, if the Knights are bundled out early in the finals or even don't make it. He'll miss three to five weeks. Andrew McCulloch won't play again this year. He needs surgery on an ankle injury. Fellow Dragon Blake Laurie could also be out for the rest of 2021 with a broken hand. Storm duo Jerome Hughes and Dale Finucane are expected to be rested this week as a host of players. Satili Tupanua, Brad Parker, Jared Croker undergo testing after suffering head knocks. Croker's Raiders teammate Tom Starling played on with a broken jaw against the Storm, but he also may be out for the rest of the year. Sadly, Xavier Willison has suffered the dreaded ACL rupture just three games into his NRL career. Thankfully, though, he re-signed with the Broncos for another two years last Friday. There's positive news for Brisbane halves. Albert Kelly and Tyson Gamble who have both been cleared of serious injury, although Gamble will miss two weeks through suspension. Finally, Canterbury's Jake Avrilo picked up a hand injury in round 22. All right, speaking of the Broncos, the Broncos-Roosters match finished in some controversy over the weekend. So were the Roosters able to, or should they have been allowed to make a captain's challenge? Let's find out. As he tried to get up to play the ball, before he played the ball, the ball was dropped in the play the ball. Um, so that's why the challenge was able to take place. Was the, t- the process wasn't that tidy, but the most important thing in that particular decision is that uh, the incident which caused, which arguably caused the ball to be dropped, was picked up in the review. Uh, because again, if that hadn't been picked up in the review, we would have had a, a very different controversy after that game. Sowie, what was your initial reaction to that captain's challenge? Um, well, great work from Tedesco and the Roosters getting it at the right time. I didn't think it was a head high in terms of um, the, the ones overruling. Them. Yeah, the overruling. I mean, this here is just the tackle coming in. The ball comes out. Satili knows that the ball's come out. And usually I take a lot out of the reaction of the players. They all reacted there. So it's up to Egan Butcher to come up with a play the ball. So... Um, is the process that's that's so just he's a drop dropped ball. so he's dropped it before he's played the ball, and that's why it's okay. Yeah. If the hooker knocks it on, it's clear the ruck, mm. then it's not okay. So, it's, so, it's so the motion of playing the ball should that should that warrant the next tackle? I don't know. So should we reevaluate the captain's challenge when it can be used? Because I was sitting back watching, going, "Hang on a minute!" Like I, I thought I knew the rule, but even commentators were questioning it. Opposition players were going, "Hang on, they can't do that." Social media lit up because fans and experts were engaging in conversations about it. So clearly they could then. But do we need a Titan when they can and can't do it? Or do we all just need to be more educated? No, because you're not going to be able to cater for every circumstance. There are going to be things that you just don't foreshadow that's going to happen in a game of rugby league. Like, you just can't plan for it. 
Uh, I'm with Sowie. Was that was that even a high tackle? Like are we deciding the game on that? Uh, yeah, I. If that's, I look at it this way, and every time there's a penalty like that, if that's going to decide a grand final, we're heading down a dangerous, dangerous path. That, I don't want to see that decided. And everyone can say, oh, that's it wasn't a crucial, a grand very crucial two points for the Sorry. Roosters. Hundred percent. They could finish in the top four. Yeah. And that could be the difference. Anyway, I don't want to go down that path. We, uh, we just go back on the review, right? If someone, if they want to question the grounding, why are we going back to the start of the kick to check on side and everything like that? That's why we've got touch judges. That's why we've got referees out there. They've let the play go on. Right there, Ashley Klein has let the play go on. You know why? And we've called the next play. Because someone like Michael Chamis, who's very good at his job, would go back and look frame by frame <laughs> and go right on yeah. in, his, in his Monday column going, some team yeah. was dogged. And some bloke that's never played, so don't worry. Oh, he has played. Uh, roll, the f- roll, the, roll the field goal <laughs> vision. All right, Nathan Cleary, he can play, and he made a, a successful return in the Panthers' win over the Dragons after a seven-week layoff with a shoulder injury. Sowie, what did you make of his return from uh, injury? Yeah, it was hard to, <laughs> to watch him pick apart the Dragons. Yeah, he was good. I think uh, his kicking game is what the Panthers have missed. Uh, but the ability of being able to pin teams back and obviously torpedo kicks and everything like that. But his kick selection, his patience here. And I think Jerome Luai loves having Nathan Cleary back. He doesn't have to be the main man. So um, they're a force to be reckoned with you know, going forward. I still want to see... This, this weekend's a test for me, for for both sides, you know, Penrith and South Sydney, but Cleary coming back, he's one of the best players in the world. Michael, you said all along that this whole competition weighs on the shoulders of Nathan Cleary and how he comes back. So can the Panthers win the comp now that you've seen him back or you need to see more? Yeah, I think they can. I still think Melbourne are favourites, but Nathan Cleary's made a successful return. They gave him a few extra weeks, or an extra week at least, one extra week. So I think I still, if Nathan Cleary's shoulder holds up, Penrith will give this competition a real shake. I, I really believe this is Penrith's time. They can upset Melbourne on their day, but they're not going to get close to them if, if Nathan Cleary isn't building pressure like he did on the weekend against the Dragons. His kicking game was phenomenal. So you mentioned Panthers, Rabbitohs this Friday night. It's an absolute blockbuster just three weeks from the finals. And the good news is we'll probably see it in a few weeks' time in week one of the finals. So given they're going to finish second and third, most likely regardless. Do you play all your cards? Do you rest players? How do you approach this from both teams' perspective? Yeah, I tossed and turned in, in terms of both sides. Whether you do rest your players or, you know, if you're South Sydney, Walker, Reynolds, you give them a bit of a chance to have a bit of a breather. If you're the origin guys for Penrith, I think you just go, let it go. Let's see what happens because there's so many different storylines around this. Can Nathan Cleary still needs to work himself back into the into the team system, which he's done on the weekend. But then you've got South Sydney. They conceded 50 points last time against the Penrith Panthers. Can they be better defensively? I think go out there, let's see what happens uh, if you're a team. Because if you're getting your own way too much and you start tinkering with things and maybe hold back a little bit, I think you start getting inside your own head. If the, if the result doesn't matter, which it doesn't, because they finish second or third anyway, they're not going to... Well, every result okay. matters. No, yeah, it, from a confidence point of view, but from a, from a point of view of the ladder and the final series and the way it's going to end up, they finish second, third, no home ground advantage. It makes no difference whatsoever. Do you just hold back with what you're throwing at them? No. Nah. You, you may coach a little bit less. Like, you may, you know, you're not sort of every single fine detail as if it was a finals game. You might just pull back a little bit. But if you're South Sydney and you're able to, to knock Penrith over when they've got Tavita Pangai Jr., James Fisher-Harris back in the side this week, and that's their number one forward pack, a couple of weeks, the Panthers have looked over their shoulder a little bit. Yeah, they looked at Penrith la- at Melbourne last year. That was the game they shouldn't have they should have won. Yeah. They didn't win. So I reckon if you're South Sydney, there's a good chance this do you, weekend. Do you remember the prelim? Does, is, does, do you not care about that? Last year when they, they fell just short South Sydney against... Nah, not yet. Totally different. Not yet.
They Not yet. In a couple of weeks yeah. when it's for real. Yeah. Nathan Cleary, lucky to be playing this week. 100%. 100%. I called the Manly game. Josh Alloway got a char- uh, penalty for a, a shoulder charge. That's a shoulder charge. That's the definition of a shoulder charge is turning your shoulder to the side, tucking it in. There's no arm wrap around. And we've seen, you know, I don't know where. <laughs> what that, that is a shoulder charge. Right. Is it not? Michael? <sighs> I'm going to take a very, un- it might be an unpopular opinion, but to me, when we said no more shoulder charges, it wasn't for that. I, I'm so, I just, I don't think, and I've said this all along, Sowie, why did we get rid of the shoulder charge? It should be in the... Have you ever been shoulder charged? Yeah, I have. By you have. Multiple times. Yeah. Listen That's why me. we got rid of it, can mate. You let me finish because it can head. go wrong and hit people in the head. Yeah, but anything can go wrong and hit people in the head. We're seeing that. Any tackle can go wrong, and I know the risks are greater. So if you do a shoulder charge and you get it wrong and you hit someone in the head, you serve four to six weeks. I don't think we should ban it altogether. Is that a shoulder charge? You can do the same, yeah, under the, that's what, it is. It's under a shoulder charge under the right. rules. But I don't, like, really? Like, look at that. It's under the rules, he should he should be suspended. I get that. But why why are we in this situation where okay. Jack Bird can run right. the ball back okay. doing the exact same motion? Regan Campbell-Gillard does the same thing with Parramatta. Last week on this show, we saw Api Corusau get suspended one week, all right? For pushing someone. Yes. Which All right? Also- That's not even in the rules. <laughs> you can push people. You can't, you can't shoulder charge. Sowie, I'm agreeing with you that yeah, well, under the letter of the law, the shoulder charge, that is a shoulder charge, and he was lucky to get away with it. But really, are we going to go down that path? It's just penalise the guys who get it wrong. Take the risk. You want to take the risk, then you get it wrong, you're gone. Okay, we're not going down that path today. We're going down the path of hit or miss. Sowie, I know you love Twitter, and I was across your Twitter all weekend, and I saw something on Thursday night. Yes. And you tweeted that Brandon Smith is the best hooker in the world. So I'm going to start with you, Michael. Brandon Smith is the best hooker in the NRL. Hit or miss? Miss. He's not even the best hooker of his club. <laughs> Look, I think he's a very, very good player, and he's. I think Melbourne have got the, right, the balance right with him starting. But I'd, I'd have Harry Grant, Appy Corusau. If you were telling me who's your hooker at a club that you had to buy... It'd be Appy or Harry, then Brendan Smith and Damian Cook. His maturation this year in being able to read the game and know when to inject himself, when to run, when to be able to pass, after being the understudy to Cameron Smith, I think is a real highlight of Melbourne. He's my favourite player to watch in the NRL. I think he is the best number nine. People forget, you, you say Harry Grant, this guy plays is the number one hooker for New Zealand as well, who are a pretty good team at the moment if they were able to play. So I think he is the best number nine. Uh, if, if it was State of Origin, he would be playing State of Origin, right? But he could, he could be just as effective as a 13, which probably works against him in a way. He's just a good footballer. It works against him. That doesn't discount that he's the best number nine. At no, the yeah, I know. I, I, look, he'd probably play Origin. That's a that's a fair point. Does he play... Damien, I, I, I think they're really pretty level. I just uh, don't think he's ahead of Harry Grant and... I think he's got older the subtleties in his game anyway. All right, one thing we know is for sure there won't be a World Cup at the end of this year. We're still unsure as to whether there'll be any test footy at all. Channel 9's Brad Fittler had this to say about potential upcoming uh, test footy on Freddie and the 8th. The idea is to allow the players to go and recover. This ain't going to let the players recover. I think it's a bit disrespectful towards the people that have been working their absolute butt off at the World Cup on that level, the World Cup level, that have just been told no... Australia and New Zealand aren't coming over and then being told, you know, and then had to go away. And So, Sowie, do you agree that it would be disrespectful to Rugby League World Cup organisers if there was any test footy at the end of this year? Hit. I think this is 
spot on from Freddie. It's a massive chance for everyone in the NRL to take a breather after what's been a difficult year. Families, everything moving up to Queensland, your whole life's been readjusted. I think it's a perfect opportunity to have a good break, get ready for next year. And, and we don't know what challenges are going to be next year. I think calling off the World Cup was a great call. Uh, I didn't have any problems with it at all. I'd hate to see us jeopardise that you know, by, by trying to run the players into the ground at the end of the year after what's been a hard year. Michael? Yeah, it's it from me. Like, if see, if you're having a party and you've invited me, and I can't come. I don't just go have a party myself and then invite Zach. Yeah, to you my would. Party. Oh, I would, and, and Zach would come to my party. Hundred percent. But you if would. you found out that I was having a party and invited Zach and he didn't go, you'd be very upset. And I think it is disrespectful. Hit or miss. So you're coming to my party? No. Okay. But one thing I will mention is the game. The NRL has taken a financial hit now, moving families and whatever to keep the competition going. So it is a financial win if they have more games. I just what? don't think and we they have need more to at this, at this oh. stage. I don't think we need to have Australia, New Zealand. But also you can, you're risking it. There is no guarantee you'll be able to get a crowd anyway. Like yeah. The situation, you're not guaranteed to have a test match in October with a crowd. 50,000 Eden Park. I was there when Tonga beat Australia last time. Guess what? Mm. Amazing scenes, Janice. I don't agree. And the NRL hasn't done I don't agree. To, I, I agree. <laughs> and the NRL can do more for the international game. But this period right now... <laughs> The clubs and the NRL said we're not going to the World Cup. It would be disrespectful if they played tests okay. at the end of the year. Okay, finally, the race for this year's Dalian medal is not a one-horse race, Michael. It's not a one-horse race. Yeah, that's it. It's not. I, I think Nathan in the next... If Tom's out for a couple of weeks as well, Nathan can make a, a real crack at it. I, I think you're right. I think Tom's ahead of him. Just. But Nathan can catch up. I don't think we're giving enough credit to Cody Walker. I... Made it. I said on the weekend that Tom Trebojevic, it's his to lose. Uh, but I went back and, and just looked at some of the stats. He's got 50 line break assists, 34 try assists, Cody Walker, and is still playing to the peak of his... And, and brought South Sydney back into this title race. When they conceded 50 points you know, twice this year, everyone thought that South Sydney were gone. They've been off the back of Cody Walker now. I think he would have polled some points in the last couple of weeks. He'd be right there. Clear his there as well. So, nah, it's a hit for me. OK, and very interesting comments from his coach, Wayne Bennett, over the weekends, who said that he'd have Cody Walker somewhere in his top 17 of players he's coached all time. That's Sowie, so cool. would you be in there? Oh, no chance. <laughs> I don't even know. If, but, hi, Wayne. I played for you once. But that's 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 <laughs> awesome. Massive yeah, massive. And he's not saying about anyone else in that side at the moment, but I think he just loves the way that Cody goes about his footy and he's always in the game. I remember when we did the team of the decade and I spoke to Wayne Bennett about picking his team of the decade and he said, I don't do those things. I don't like to upset people. Didn't want to be disrespectful, but it says a lot about how much how high he holds Cody Walker if he's coming, coming out and saying that I'd have him in my 17. I'd be more interested who misses out on his 17, to be honest with you. Can you imagine the players, players he's, he's coached. coached over the years? Like, if Cody Walker's in that team, it means someone's missing out, a Lockyer or a Lockyer Kevy or out. someone. Well, he'd be off the missing bench. Out. Like it's he'd be off the bench. Utility. Uh, Champ or Chump? It's your week, Chamus. What have you got for week. us? It is my week. I've got uh, Champ for me, the Raiders. Uh, the scenes last week. Uh, the Raiders? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to throw me out of the bus here. They're trying to throw me out of the Didn't we do that last week? It was two weeks ago. No, I didn't. Can you please show me a championship? Because you're throwing me out of the bus. I don't trust what they're doing here. There was a few things that were sent to me before the game. And this is one of them. This is the beach. I'll take over. The okay, champ is, is beach sprinting. It is real then. Damien Cook <laughs> obviously teaching his little one to do beach sprinting there. Of course, we all know that he's a famous beach sprinter, Damien Cook. Oh, did we know that? <laughs> It's never mentioned. It's only been written 37. <laughs> so that was number one. What was number two that and you This is had? what I didn't know if it was part of the stitcher. Number two, I'm, I'm going to throw forward to the Brisbane Olympics. 
because I think one of our colleagues here might have uh, a role to play, judging by the performances of his daughter over the weekend. Can we, can we please show the vision over the weekend here? <laughs> She's got halfway to do up her strides. Come on. She's building up pace. Still 40 metres to go in a run-up. Quick, keep going. She's just fixed her hair. Building up more momentum, gets to the first stripe. Salad, this will be a big jump. She's gaining momentum, she's focused, she's concentrating. Here she goes, it's a big jump and... Oh, a world record. Foul. Well done. Uh, Brilliant. Brilliant. A little bit of show pony, I know where she gets out from. Yeah, a little bit of kiss and uh, wave to the crowd. That was awesome. We've so saying that Indy will be there or you're saying Sally will be there I was as, a as a commentator? As a, well, <laughs> judging by that, yeah, I've, people look out at Channel 9, Sally's coming for you. But oh, I think that's fantastic, Sally. Good to get out. Yeah, good. It was just there. a bit of fun. I, I said, do you want to do long jump? And she started running up to the whole runway. I thought, well, I'll have to go through it now. <laughs> and there was one more. Yeah, I don't know if this is champ or chump. You can judge at home what you think it is. Some vision yesterday, I spotted it. I know Woodsy and Clem are very good mates. You see this here? He's, he's gone for a grab. I, I, look, is it taking the friendship a little bit too far? Aaron Woods here in the scrum. David Clemmer. One second, one second. A lot of legs. Hey. Hey. Yeah. Champ or chump, Sowie? Has that ever happened? I'm not going to say I'm not, I've, I've not. You've not done that in the I'm not going to say I've not done that. Have you been in a scrum before? Oh, you played hooker. Please. <laughs> Michael, you are, our, you are our chump. That was the worst you are our chump for highlighting I that. thought you were going to stitch me up at the start of the way. I, uh, I, yeah. I must say that it's a disclaimer here. Uh, the NRL do not endorse that no. kind of behaviour whatsoever, especially in the current climate where you're meant to keep your hands to yourself. So, Michael, you are the chump. Is that a contrary conduct? Will he get fined for that? Michael, for bringing it up, yes, he will be. <laughs> All right, uh, NRL, NRL Pick'em. Uh, it was another big week with three... Winners taking home a share of more than $30,000 each after round 22. There's another 100 large up for grabs this weekend. Correctly tip the margins in the Panthers, Rabbitohs, Eels, Cowboys, Dragons, Roosters and Broncos, Warriors matches and you'll win your share. Head to nrl.com slash pick'em now. All right, NRL teams is on tomorrow. Neve Owens, Brett Kamali, Robbie Farah will bring you all the latest team news for round 23 as soon as the team list drop. They'll be on air from 3.55pm. The teams are in at 4 o'clock. It's time to go, gents. Michael, I want you to be better behaved next week. Well, if I... I, I want Neve Owens back. Can we get Neve Owens back next week? She's very good. We miss Neve. <laughs> Sowie, thanks for being so well back. behaved. Uh, to all of our viewers out there, stay safe. Enjoy the footy this weekend. We'll see you next Monday.